We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And, Jack, we're talking about a Nets win today, 127-97 over the Timberwolves. How are we feeling, Jack? Yeah, Nets win's always good, Nick. Not necessarily the best circumstances to get it in, but, you know, you take the W. Exactly. Obviously, there's a ton of stuff going on in the world right now. We're going to touch on that a little bit later. But, as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But where would you like to start today, Jack? Nick, I want to start with this first half. I woke up, basically, turned my phone on. And Did you even I know there even... was a game, Jack? Like, because no. it, got, it got rescheduled while you were sleeping. The, yeah, the the rescheduling. I mean, I had in my head, I'm like going to bed. I'm like, they're going to reschedule the game. By the time I'm like, and the game started at what, 6 a.m. my time. I woke up at about 7.30, 8 a.m. It was around halftime or whatever. And the Nets are up 73 to, to 52. I'm like, oh, okay, this is a, a decent start. But the rescheduling is obviously putting a lot of things in whack that, that we'll probably have a discussion about. There's a Kevin Durant playing a back-to-back against the Philadelphia 76ers. There's Kyrie Irving going to come back and, and the decision to do so on, on both regards. But yeah, it was a, a weird decision by the NBA, but ultimately they just want to get these 72 games over and done with. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, I, I, I send just a lot of thoughts and well wishes to everyone who has been affected by yet another absolute fucking tragedy that is continuing to happen. And it's not even a tragedy because it's just so goddamn consistent that it, it, it's hard to sort of fully grasp the fact that these things still keep happening. But ultimately, it's almost not a surprise at the same time as well. Yeah, obviously, in the trial going on for uh, George Floyd is not even that far away of this recent incident. Obviously, the killing of Dante Wright is what we're talking about. And it's just really, really upsetting. And like you said, Jack, it's not a tragedy because it's like 
something that consistently happens on a regular basis. And we've had all these protests and all these changes, but the things still keep happening. And it's like, yeah, we're talking about it right now, but then we're going to go and live on our life. And then there's actual change is still not going to happen. And we heard Steve Nash talk about it a lot yeah. before today's game. And I think he does a great job of kind of expanding on that and kind of almost showing like a player's perspective, especially as like a white male and what it means and like what you can do and how you can express like emotion towards it and how it just like is still just like, it's hard to grasp. And I know you and I talk about it sometimes and because you live in Australia, it's a little bit different. And like, you're just having that outside view and how it's just like so crazy that this thing is consistently happening in a country like this rarely what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, look, to, to be honest, and I don't mean to come at from a, a narrow minded and, and shallow perspective, but we had one mass shooting in Australia and it took a, a liberal government, which is the same as a Republican government, just that, that incident to happen for us to change our gun laws and yeah. we've we have had hadn't had any sort of mass shootings um any sort of killings in, in relation to guns it, of that extreme of a nature since that point i think it was in the the mid 90s just when i was sort of uh, born and it, it just makes look it, it's it, it just makes talking about basketball seem a, a little bit hollow and despite the fact that it, it is a good outlet um, and, and good, a good distraction. Sometimes it's not good to be distracted. And I think Stephen Nash made a really good point in, in the saying that, like, look, ultimately, is us not playing this game, you know, sort of what the Milwaukee Bucks did? And, and it was a good decision by the NBA to postpone, obviously, uh, from last night. Is it really going to change anything? And, like, this regular season matchup, or is it going to get lost in the waves of so many other probably important things that are happening in terms of the... And the protesting that that is just fully happening and should be happening, um, whether it's property damage or not, don't really give a shit. Um, in, in all honesty, Nick, this basketball game, while there's a lot to take from it, and we could probably dive into it in, in a little bit, it's just like with just this season alone, we've spoken about so many instances of systemic oppression and just police killings and just general um, uh, overall injustice that I, I can't imagine what it is like to be a person that is of colour, that has to go through that on a daily basis, that just because of how they were born, is born into a system that is automatically against them. We are somehow got the genetic lottery and we're born as white males and we happen to just be uh, be born with uh, those uh, those advantages, which is just... It's just not fair. You know, the the general structure of society shouldn't be naturally dehumanizing. And it just happens to be. And it's not to say that it doesn't happen in Australia either, because that happens to Indigenous Australians quite a bit. Um, and it's something that, you know, I, I think doesn't get enough coverage of down here in Australia. That the, the national media does a really good job of covering it up. But in all honesty, Nick, I, I just, I, I find it hard to fathom. Uh, it, but at the same time, like you sort of alluded to, it just keeps happening and it's just it i can't understand how how nothing has changed and how it's just like these bs excuses keeps coming out and how the system is just so naturally askewed to to the uh, to the oppressors it, it just i don't know i'm probably waffling on a little bit but i think sometimes having this outlet and hopefully you know if people don't like what we say then sorry unsubscribe to it because um this is a podcast that we naturally have a platform and we get, and I think with our platform, if we weren't to discuss these sort of these sort of things and, and these sort of absolute atrocities, um, it would be doing an injustice to the little voice that we do happen to have. Especially in the league in which we talk about on a regular basis. You know what I mean? It would just be insensitive and stupid. And like you said, it kind of takes something away from the game. And that's fine because there's issues that are bigger than basketball. And like, hey, 
bad things are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. People are going to do things that are wrong. But at the end of the day, there has to be some type of accountability. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the most upsetting things in the whole situation is like, it's so hard for them to just be like, you know what, that they, they just screwed up. They just you know, fucked up that situation. And now they have to go to prison. And I think that's consistently what's making people so upset. It's like, oh, if I'm a citizen or I'm a person of color and I do this, you know, I make a mistake. Now there might be a chance that I die. But a police officer does something and they mistakenly grab their taser and or they grab their gun instead of their taser. And now they're they're not going to prison. Like that's a life changing mistake for somebody. And that's just unacceptable like there has to be accountability in 2021 when there's like cams everywhere there's everything is documented you know what i mean and to just allow things to kind of continue to happen and nothing being done about it is just it's just crazy it just is, doesn't make sense it's like barbaric to an extent it's it's disheartening to say at the very very yeah. least and <clears throat> the whole argument of it's just one bad apple and it's just like well do you guys know what the actual whole metaphor is it's one <clears throat> one bad apple can spoil a bunch and there's certain jobs where you can't have bad apples in. You know, if a if a pilot, if there's a bad apple in in, in the piloting in the auto industry, um, in the in the in the in the um, aviation, aviation industry, then people die. And if there are certain things where it's just like you can't have bad apples. I'm sorry, yep. they all have to be perfect, and there all has to be a, a standard of accountability and, and and standards that just can't be slipped from. But I think that this, the standards that have been embedded. For, for many, many millennia in America and around the world, um, it's just, it's structurally inadequate um, to an extent that I don't think even we understand me. Yeah, I 100% agree, Jack. And obviously there was other incidents this week and I think, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's funny, but it's like they talk all this trash when Kaepernick took a knee and respect our troops and all this stuff. And then you have the police brutality towards an active member of the military of color. So it just goes to show you it's just like they're always changing the rules and trying to give an excuse that fits for their side. But like you said, Jack, it's these these ideas that they've had over time and that they carry on instead of making the changes and being accountable and trying to listen, understand and be like, you know what? we're bad. We're doing things wrong here. We need to change. They just continue to do things the way that they want to do them. And that benefits them. And it's like you said, uh, we were talking before we hopped on another podcast and we were saying how like the system is so messed up. The system isn't really messed up. It's just rigged to benefit one specific party being white males or police officers, or just in that situation, everybody else kind of gets screwed. I think the worst thing, Nick, is that we know what probably some of the solutions are. Yeah. It's just that the the people in power continue to just ignore them yep. and, and just actively ignore them, not just ignore them out of, you know, ignorance, the whole ignorance. But get is upset blistering. about property damage. Yeah. And it's just like, what is the, what are the priorities here? Like in, in terms of just like, we're all human beings. It doesn't matter who we are and what we've come from, you know, uh, just a, a, a natural care for your fellow man. And sort of just like, like you said, the, it's all just a student. just like, I, and what probably is what more infuriating is the fact that, like I said, we know what some of the solutions are, what some of the answers are to solving the structural inadequacies that are just killing people. Like people are Literally. fucking dying. And it just makes no sense why nothing is being changed. It's just like, well, I'm a white dude. I'm 80 years old. I'm going to die soon. And then my son's probably going to take over from me as some, uh, in some position of power. It doesn't necessarily affect me. And it's just that level of selfishness and active ignorance and stupidity is mind-bogglingly mind mind staggering. It doesn't make sense. And um, it's infuriating. And I, I, can't, I can't imagine. And... 
it's it's just something Nick that I get angry about on a on a daily basis, um, and I'm I can't imagine the amount of of fury that goes through the hearts of people that have to actively endure this if you are a, a family member, a friend, or whatever. Um, just or just know a that... person of color living in this country and just seeing it happen to, you know, it could be you, it could be somebody you know, and just, like, it's always a constant excuse of, like, oh, well, they they resisted or some, like, stupid excuse that really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, even if somebody resists arrest, unless they're trying to, like, light up an entire place and they have a gun or an active shooter or something, you still shouldn't be trying to shoot them. And I always have the same idea when it comes to police officers. Like, civilians never wake up and be like, you know what, today I'm going to risk my life. When you're a cop, every day you go into work, you're risking your life. That's part of the job. That's why you signed up for the job and you know that as a risk. So at the end of the day, like it's terrible. And I'm not saying I wish cops die or anything like that, but it's it's a more likely scenario for a cop to wake up and have to deal with some type of incident like that than a civilian having to wake up for that, especially when it's a traffic stop or a warrant or something minor. We're not talking about like life changing crimes. Like we're not talking about murder or rape or anything like that. We're talking about some of the lowest level crimes that you possibly could have. Yeah. Misdemeanors, all this level of BS where it's just like, you know, if you're, if you or I have kids one day and, you know, have to, we don't have to have these conversations to our kids where it's just like, make sure your hoodie's down, make yep. sure all these little things. And it's just like, it's just, it, it, it breaks your heart. Nick. It, it breaks your heart. And as people just know that, you know, we, Nick and I try to be somewhat of allies in, in any way that we sort of can and use our voice to the extent that we sort of can. It's, it's just, it's um, it's it's saddening, um, and 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 saddening, infuriating, the complex level of emotions right now. I'm not necessarily probably expressing in the most eloquent way, but sometimes you just got to get it out there, and and our hearts go out to all the people that have to deal through this on a daily, hourly, minute by minute, day by day basis. Um, and all the people who aren't going to get the news headline or all the people that are just going to deal with it and it's going to get kind of washed under the rug living in a small town or something like that or just, you know, the cop is always going to kind of get the benefit. So like you said, Jack, it's extremely upsetting and I'm sure it's even more upsetting to other people as well just considering like that's the situation they have to deal with on a regular basis and even the players in the game today. I was really curious to kind of see what the energy level would be like. Obviously, we had a lot of guys missing the games for other reasons that I don't think were related to that, which if they did want to sit up for that reason, and that would be perfectly fine but I was kind of curious to see like what would the vibe be like in the game and you really didn't see like necessarily a ton of joy from guys on a, a regular basis in this one no at the end of the day this is this is a job like yep. basketball is a job as much as like a lot of people say you know this is an outlet for me this it's joy you know I feel the most like myself there's times where it's just like you're numb to just the human experience and that includes being you know some of these guys are lucky to play basketball you know the, they get the opportunity to express themselves in that way Kyrie Irving's mentioned that on, on a, a pretty consistent basis I did really like the that both teams wearing the black t-shirts it says with yep. Pete with liberty and justice for all underline that was a, a really nice statement uh, the NBA players always do a great job um, at, at highlighting their voices, using their voices, probably more so than the people that should be using their fucking voices, to be honest. We shouldn't be relying on the people who are being oppressed, the people who are being systematically um, in, injustified. But unfortunately, uh, they have a, a level of leadership, a level of intelligence that the people that should have it, uh, unfortunately, don't have. But yeah, shout out to the Brooklyn Nets, Minnesota Timberwolves, and so many other uh, great NBA players that continue to use their voice in a way that is 
uh, ampl- that t- when it's amplified, um, it really does make a difference. And um, there, there's a re- there's a reason why we love this league, Nick. And uh, part of it is because we love the way that these guys play basketball, but it's also because of the the character and nature of, of these uh, really really uh, upstanding young men. Yep, Jack. Obviously, you love the players on the court, but a lot of these guys we love off the court for the different things they do or the impact they can have in the community. But, Jack, I guess let's jump into this game. And obviously, it wasn't wasn't necessarily much of a game. Like I mentioned earlier, the Nets won 127-97, you know, out to a double-digit lead pretty early on. The Timberwolves made a nice little 8-0 run to end the first quarter. You thought, hey, maybe this will be a competitive one. Not really. The Nets pretty much went on to dominate them the rest of this game, and it was over by the third quarter when the Nets were up by 30-plus. And look, that's a it's a good thing, Nick. You you want to sort of it's it's been few and far between the I mean it's only a couple of games ago where the Nets did have this sort of performance against the New Orleans Pelicans, but these are the sort of performances that you the good teams do have. And obviously, the Nets don't have uh, Kyrie Irving, who's away for personal reasons, and James Harden, who's still recovering from his hamstring injury. Kevin Durant did play. I think that the big question heading into this matchup, if and when it was going to happen, was is Kevin Durant going to play this game? Is he going to play the Philadelphia game tomorrow? And we saw him play tonight and. Boy, did he play, Nick. The, the way that Kevin Durant just plays with a level of ease and, and shows it, showcases his talents, there are a few players who just make the game look as easy as, as Kevin Durant. Maybe Joe Harris, though. <laughs> you know, honestly, you watch Kevin Durant play and you kind of ask yourself, is he phased by this defense? Like, is this even bothering him at all? Is this, like, pushing him off his his spots or his motion? Like, Jaden McDaniels, who's a really long defender, was up in his face a couple times, and KD really kind of almost ignored him to an extent. We're talking about a 31-point game and 11 of 15 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 5 of 6 on the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, got those turnovers down to 4. Just a really extremely efficient game. And it just felt super easy for Kevin Durant. I mean, he just looked very, very good out there. Obviously, some of that being Minnesota, one of the worst teams in the league. But it's great to just see him look so fluid after such a long time off. Yeah, definitely. And I want to discuss the Shannon Sharp feud a little bit later on, Nick, because this is one that I'm sure Shannon will have to talk about. He's dropping guys on Twitter and on the court. I mean, I don't know what he's getting. Was this a better Twitter night for, for Kevin Durant or was it a better basketball night? No, I think ultimately... His basketball prowess is something that, you know, we've sort of, I've, I've had discussions just about this season overall, Nick, and I was I was talking to Matt Nakew, who's been, um, I co-hosted this pod once, and uh, a couple of times, sorry, and I'm sort of talking about, again, just like the season has been so jumbled up and so ad hoc in terms of the amount of injuries that happen, the, the condensed nature of it all. I think we just need to keep taking joy in the moments. And yeah. I've sort of said, enjoy the journey and stuff. You know, Kevin Durant's incredible skill tonight. And he's an incredible shot making. He was a good passer as well. I liked how he human DJ. They have a, a really nice chemistry. It was good to see DJ back. We'll get to him in a little bit. So I'm going to keep enjoying game by game, Nick, whether it's a win or a loss. I'm not going to take the Kevin Durant highlights for, for granted, nor am I going to take those Joe Harris highlights for granted either. Yeah, I mean, in terms of efficiency, too, this is one of his best games of the season. Like I said, Minnesota's not great. Carl Anthony Downs didn't play. Malik Beasley didn't play as well. But still, seeing Kevin Durant back in the court playing at this level, and there was also a couple flash defensive plays where you're like, damn, like, the Nets really can use this type of defense. And when he gets back in full rhythm and fully conditioned, and they have some different rotations out there, especially the front court of Jeff Green, KD, and Nick Claxton, I think there's some real defensive potential there. Well, that was the the lineup that we've sort of alluded to and, and been hoping for for a while, Nick. Clax finally got the start. Nets Twitter erupted. Chris Chioza got the start. Nets Twitter. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I didn't necessarily show the <laughs> level of eruption that we uh, we wanted them to, but I saw a really cool nickname on Twitter. Um, and you might need to you know put a little bit of a beat button on me for this one, but what's the nickname for the for the duo of Nick Claxton and Chris Gioza? They're like hot cheese, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, kind of like that, kind of like it. But yeah, it was the the starters did their job, Nick. The, all of them were incredible in terms of their plus minus, and that second quarter, you know, they really sort of extended the lead and, and such as well. And Chris Gioza showed a level of just you know steadiness. That was, uh, that was pretty solid, and again... Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G, because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Joe Harris, Nick, another sensational game from Mr. Buckets. Yeah, Joe looked really comfortable out there, especially kind of getting in the paint, playmaking a little bit in this one, especially when guys were out. You know, Chris Gioza left this game in uh, starting in the third quarter. So it was really like playmaking from a Joe Harris, from a Bruce Brown, obviously a Kevin Durant, Landry Shamit. But Joe was super solid, super efficient, you know, 8 of 12 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 23 points, 2 steals, 3 assists, 3 rebounds. Did have 3 turnovers, but that's okay because he, he picked up a little bit more of the load than he normally does. And he looked pretty comfortable out there and I think guys are starting to understand how Joe plays and some of the past there was one pass he made to Bruce Brown on this one where I was impressed was that off the cut yeah it was off the, it, he he drove himself and then it was like kind of a drop-off pass to yeah. Bruce Brown who was behind him and it was just kind of like okay that's a great pass but it's also a great feel for your teammate who obviously he's developed with this season yeah, I think that Joe's really good at those in close passes. Yeah. I think he has a, a really good spatial awareness at those points. You know, sometimes when the game is is a bit wider out and, and, and a bit more expansive, you know, it, it can be a little bit tougher for him as we see in sort of like closing game situations. But yeah, uh, this is one of the best games of the season for Joe. And, you know, obviously 5A from 3 is the number that everyone's going to look at. But as I sort of put out on Twitter, Joe more than a shooter, Harris. He's been uh, sensational all season. Um, and you know, the, when 
the times have come for him to sort of step up and we need him. There have been few moments where he hasn't. And obviously in the absence of some of our superstars and basically him being the, the second most talented offensive starter, you can make an argument for Jeff Green, but I think Joe Harris probably has a little bit more in the tank now at this stage of his career. He again stepped up when it mattered and, and it was him and Kevin Durant that really sort of got us the ascendancy on that offensive side of the ball. And Joe Harris also did have two steals as well. So uh, again, showing a level of defensive acumen that I think few people will give him credit for. Yeah, really, like you said, Jack, one of his best games this season, really efficient, played well. Obviously, Minnesota not being great, but still give him credit. But let's talk about the other sharpshooter on the team, Landry Shamit. You know, 19 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 5 of 19 from, I mean, 5 of 9 from 3, 5 rebounds, and he had 5 assists. We saw a little bit more point guard Shamit in this game. This is a game where I think suited Landry Shamit in terms of the matchup. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you're DeAndre Russell on the other team, Anthony Edwards, these sort of guys, and you know, the the backup guards and and the depth and the rotation for the Minnesota Timberwolves isn't necessarily great. So it allows Landry Shamit to showcase some of the skills that he's had, you know, in Los Angeles, probably not so much in Philadelphia, uh, but definitely in college where he did play point guard as well. Um, and it's a, a luxury to have a Joe Harris and a Landry Shamit on the same team. Like yeah, how many other teams? Oh, sorry, Jack, to cut you off. I was just going to say they had some nice chemistry together in this game, too. How many teams can boast that, Nick? You know, two guys that shoot reliably 40% or above, you know. we I think we've almost forgotten about his his slow start because what he has done since, he's been shooting like 45% from three yep. since that moment and proven to, him, proven to himself and proven to this team and proven to the fans that Landry Shammer deserves to play meaningful minutes for the Brooklyn Nets. And if he continues to play like this, Nick, you know, it's a, it's going to be a goddamn shootout. So, like, you know, watching pop a shot, and it's just like it just doesn't miss. And uh, both of these guys played up awesome tonight, and Landry Shaman deserves a lot of credit for, for the form that he is now in. And again, showing no signs of rust despite coming off an ankle injury just a couple of games ago. Um, he's shown a level of just impact automatically coming back to this team. And I think the absence of, of Kyrie Irving and, and James Harden and Kevin Durant at times almost helps him because it allows him to get some extended minutes out there because he's an important part of this rotation, especially in this regular season. Yeah, I think post-All-Star break, he's been really good. His confidence has kind of been at a different level with the shooting. You're starting to see some of those off-balance threes, and they're going down. And I think, like you said, Jack, it's a nice opportunity for him to handle the ball a little bit more. And I think that could be a benefit for him moving forward, just kind of getting some of those touches in games, because at times he hasn't necessarily looked super comfortable being the point guard. Today, you know, he did do that. Obviously, the talent wasn't necessarily there on the other team, but that's a building block moving forward. And like you said, Jack, having a Shamit, having a Harris – that's another offensive tool for this team. Like you're already putting out a ton of great offensive lineups between, you know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Blake Griffin, and Joe Harris. Now you have another tool is like, hey, we're going to put two elite floor spacers on the floor and that could help, you know, run our offense or our second unit for the time being. So it just gives Steve Nash another option, another kind of interesting way to create offense. Yeah, and I think options matter more in the regular season as well, Nick. And I think yeah. the Nets are still going for that one seed. And, you know, despite the fact that we saw Kevin Durant play tonight and people were like, well, is he going to play tomorrow back-to-back? We can have a discussion about that, I guess, at some point. But ultimately, you know, in the regular season, that's when the depth in the rotation does matter. We've seen this season, and, you know, we said in the preseason that it's probably going to matter more than ever in terms of the condensed nature of the season. The Nets have been lucky enough to have been had a decent bill of health, you know, haven't necessarily had extended amounts of guys out. Obviously, that has been the case at certain points, but that, you know, the, the injuries haven't necessarily been severe or long-term, thankfully, and knock on wood. But um, in, in all honesty, Landon Shamit's playing some really great basketball, and this is what we expected of him, um, and he's maybe even exceeding those expectations in a way. 
Yeah, I think in the second half, I mean, like you kind of have a first half expectation off the way he played and then he started to bounce back. But then through the second half, you're starting to see, you know, maybe a little different element to his game. And like you said, you know, it helps more in the regular season. But if there's an injury in a playoff series or someone gets in foul trouble, this is a guy you feel a little bit more confident relying on or having to play maybe a bigger portion of minutes than anticipated. Yeah, it's confidence, Nick. Confidence in the rotation, confidence in his own individual game. Uh, good things to come for Landry Shaman. I think let's talk a little Nick Claxton, like you mentioned, Jack, got his first career start. Not necessarily an eye-popping game for him from the box score perspective. You know, six points, three or four from the field, eight rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block, zero turnovers. But I feel like defensively his switchability is such a huge aspect and really kind of just slowing down other teams' offenses. And I will give Anthony Edwards some credit. He did catch Nick Claxton a couple times, forcing him to result in fouls and free throws. I'll see. Mark Jackson was right, wasn't he, Nick? You know, <laughs> it's, it's a bad matchup with Nicholas Claxton's on the perimeter. Man, if you're talking about, you know, you haven't watched Nets basketball, then look straight to Mark freaking Jackson and all the Lakers fans that were agreeing with him. Look, ultimately, Nick Claxton's going to get cooked a couple of times, like any other player in the NBA is by a guy who is an athlete as talented and gifted as Anthony Edwards is. And we discussed that on the outlet quite a bit, but... I really loved especially the play, the defense-offense play, and, and in the open court. Yep. What? How many big men feel as comfortable running the open court in transition You know, as as much as Nicholas Claxton is? That was a, a real highlight play. Again, he's rebounding, he's continuing to stay steady and, and really high, even when he's not impacting the box score as much. And as again, steals and blocks and assists. You know, he is a, a comfortable player. There aren't many things where it's just like, oh, man, I don't know. Unless it's like, you know, Joel Embiid posting him up or Anthony Davis or Nicole Jokic posting him up. That might be the only thing where I don't feel comfortable Nicholas Claxton defensively or offensively. Maybe at the three-point line, too, actually. Yeah, I think offensively, too, he's getting a little bit more comfortable down there, starting to see that hook shot where he's not yeah. rushing as much. He's kind of like, okay, I'm going to quicker than this guy or I'm just going to take a step outside and that's still within my range. And there's also a play in this game, I believe it was his first quarter, first couple of minutes of the game where he made a great read off ball and setting a screen for Joe Harris, like a step before the pass even happened. And those are the type of screens that are going to really help you get minutes in the playoffs because those are kind of those game-changing plays. And obviously, like you mentioned, Jack, the play in transition in which he took it coast to coast. It's always fun watching somebody his size do that type of thing. Oh, he he's an absolutely gorgeous man for, for so many different reasons. And the Pacific post-ups gave him a lot of love as well. You know, TG Network, and they gave me a nice introduction <laughs> talking about Clack City himself too. And, you know, I think, think that off-ball screen, Nick, I think, you know, we can probably naturally transition us to talking about DeAndre Jordan. That's something that DJ has done quite consistently for this Brooklyn Nets team and across his career, you know, in, in tandem with JJ Redick and other shooters. And to see Clack's learning that and I think taking on that because that's one thing that I've said of him early in his career that he needs to get better at is his screening. And that's the same thing I said about Jared Allen, funnily enough. And then he got really good at that too. If that continues to be a wrinkle to his game, because ultimately as a big man, you need to do the little things that open up the spaces for your shooters, for your offensive masterminds, like Joe Harris, like Kevin Ray, like these sort of guys, pin down screens, open whatever, uh, pick and rolls. So I think that's a, a nice little wrinkle to his game that is improving. And again, that DJ has done for a very, very long time. Yeah, and I think it provides, you know, value. It gives you another reason for Steve Nash to play Nick Claxton or start Nick Claxton or play him big minutes. If now he's not only having a positive defensive impact, but he's doing the small things offensively, now it just kind of makes the Nets that much more difficult. But you mentioned DJ Jack, and we saw him play for the first time in, what was it, since the LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, signing. Since his debut, I think, against Charlotte is the first time we saw DJ on the floor. 13 points, 5 of 5 from the field, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. 
you know, not a bad game. I thought he had some decent energy in this one, some of it being against the Timberwolves and them not really being able to exploit him, but it wasn't a bad performance from DeAndre Jordan. I don't think it wasn't just a bad performance. I thought it was a good performance from DJ. And, you know, if you're judging by his standards, it was very good. Yeah. So, I, and I think that, you know, people, people don't, uh, whether it's fans or Twitterati or, or whatever the hell you want to call it, people aren't really happy changing in their own mind. It's just like, DJ's out of the rotation, keep him out of there. Where it's just like, if you give him minutes, give credit where credit is due. You know, DJ can be good in certain matchups. He can be good in certain lineups. He might be needed and important against the Philadelphia 76ers if LaMarcus Aldridge is still out because we've seen him go well against some of the bigger dudes in the league and his post-defense is probably his best defensive skill right now, unlike Nicholas Claxton, who is, you know, that, that switchy sort of dude who has immense versatility on that end of the floor. But DJ showed some, again, some nice, you know, that lob threat, you know, his rebounding was good. Um, he's always a really nice little elbow hub. Love his screening. I've always been a big fan of that. I think it's an underrated thing, unless you're a Rudy Gobert fan. <laughs> Not many people tend to know that sort of thing. And again, uh, I think that this is this shows you that D. I said it. Come over was on the last pod, Nick, or a pod before, or on JBT, or on the outlet, or wherever the hell it was on the OTG network. But I literally said that DeAndre Jordan is going to have a role for this team, and and he has shown it tonight, and he has proven that you know it's we you sort of chatted about it with Landry Shaman as another weapon, another guy coming off the bench or whatever. DJ has shown that you know he can produce um, at at points where needed for this team, and that front court versatility I think is helpful. Yeah, he definitely provides a different type of physicality. And even at his age, he still plays a little bit above the rim. He had a couple nice dunks in this game where you can hit him with that drop-off pass, and all he needs is kind of two steps inside, and he's throwing it down. You know, we saw him play a little bit with Blake Griffin. Spacing's not necessarily ideal on that because Blake kind of still likes to get into the post-up game occasionally. But you saw those two connect on a nice, you know, touchdown pass today. So, you know, DJ playing a little bit more energy, kind of playing within his role and playing a small chunk of minutes, that's when you're going to get the best out of him. And it'll be interesting to see if he does play against Philadelphia, which I almost kind of assume he will because I have a feeling that Aldridge might still be out. Yeah, the, it's, it's possible, Nick. And I think we've heard that Kyrie Irving is more than likely going to be out. Landry Shamit has said that. I mean, Steve Nash didn't confirm it, but I, I doubt he'll be back and Kevin Wright might not play. It might be the bubble nets taking on uh, the <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers. We'll have to wait and see how it all uh, does pan out. But yeah, I, I think that, and I've said this, you know, Steve Nash needs to continue experimenting and continuing to find out what he has in his guys, whether you are a 10, 12-year vet in DeAndre Jordan or whether you are a, a second-year player in Nicholas Claxton. You know, what can you do for us against teams where it is going to matter? You know, and the game ultimately, if the Nets don't have their superstars there and healthy, the best thing that you can get out of it is understanding, okay, can Clax play, uh, hold up against a Joel Embiid? Can DJ hold up against a Joel Embiid? Can Blake Griffin hold up against a Joel Embiid? I think that's probably going to be the biggest thing uh, about that matchup, Nick, if we don't have any of our superstars healthy. Yeah, it definitely is going to be something to keep an eye on. But obviously, I think it's always kind of hard when you are missing other pieces because, like, how does one aspect, you know, outweigh another aspect? You know, if you're making them work super hard on the defensive end, is your offense going to be a little bit worse? And so, like you said, Jack, it's really interesting, and that's going to be kind of a big component of the game against Philadelphia. Definitely, definitely. It's going to be a, a matchup that I'm sure we'll be watching very, very intently if um, not the, the casual fans won't be watching uh, as much. But yeah, I, I want to show some love as well to, to Bruce Brown, Nick. The, yeah. the box score doesn't look as flattering in terms of the 4 of 15 from the field. But what does look flattering is 
12 rebounds, including four offensive rebounds. Again, the assists, I thought that the, the, the team ball movement, even if Ben Simmons likes to say there's only one ball out there, the Brooklyn Nets seem to do pretty goddamn well in terms of their ball movement and their assists. Again, three steals as well and a block. Uh, Bruce Brown did a really good job tonight against the Timber- Timberwolves. Yeah, obviously the shot was a little bit off. I thought there was a couple of times he could have got foul calls there. But like you said, Jack, 12 rebounds, four offensive. You know, you have the three assists, you have the three steals. I also think he did a nice job on D'Angelo Russell. D'Lo started the game pretty hot, five of five. Bruce Brown kind of shut that shit down in the second quarter, picked his pocket once for a nice little steal and dunk. So you just love the energy Bruce Brown plays with, especially on a night like tonight where the Nets aren't fully, you know, stacked up and they don't have their off- offensive talent. And even missing, you know, a point guard for the second half of this game, Bruce Brown came through and gave you just kind of that spark that you need sometimes that kind of ignites some of these blowout wins. It can, you know, it, it sort of like, you know, shows a level of like, you know, the, the starters do their job, they build a lead or whatever. And you've got Bruce Brown coming off the bench and it's just like maintaining it and increasing yep. that ascendancy. Um, he's continuing to show his value no matter what he does. You know, he's been asked to start for this team uh, consistently. He's come off the bench for this team. It's almost like a similar, it reminds me of Spencer Dinwiddie in, in seasons past about, you know, his role changing in terms of mm. starter bench. But his game doesn't change, you know. And sometimes, you know, he's not given the, the greatest opportunities to succeed. The matchup might not going to be great in terms of the opponent. He might not be in lineups out there, whether it's, you know, next to a DJ or whatever, like we've sort of spoken about before. But Bruce Brown continues to show his value, and he has immense value for the Brooklyn Nets. That's for sure, Nick. Yeah, and I think it's just kind of understanding that too, Jack, and like where he can excel in those different situations. And it's been great to kind of watch him grow into this role from where it was in the beginning of the season where he wasn't even getting minutes or if it was, it was just kind of garbage time. Yeah, he's, he's turned a, a, a fringe rotation player to being a, a short role player, a, a small ball center alongside James Harden, to being you know a, a makeshift starter, to being a, a, an off-the-bench energy dude. Um, he's shown a level of versatility in his role um, that you want out of the role players. No matter what changes, you don't want your game or impact to change. And, and Bruce Brown has shown a level of, of composure and poise to continue doing that. 100%. Jack, I guess let's talk a little Blake Griffin. Not a great stat line for him. 0-6 on the field, 0-4 from three, 4-4 from the free throw line. Did have four rebounds and two assists. Had a couple nice hustle plays out there too. So, you know, Blake didn't shoot well offensively. I don't think his shot was really feeling it, but you still feel his impact out there. And he kind of gives him at times kind of like just a, another steadying force offensively with the guards being out. Yeah, I think just as a vet, you know, Blake Griffin just knows how to make the right plays. You know, the, the rebounding still okay. He did have a steal, did have a couple of dimes, as you alluded to. Some decent hustle plays that you don't necessarily expect from the superstar. But Blake Griffin is buying more into this role off the bench and this vet sort of role. Um, and I think he's doing a, a really good job of that. And uh, it was cool to sort of see, like you mentioned before, that Blake to GJ sort of pass, you know, the old school yep. sort of Lob City re- revived in a, in a way. So... I think Blake's going to continue to have some semblance of a role. It's going to be against, you know, the the more meaningful matchups that we'll be looking at. Okay, what does Blake do here? Does that three ball start to fall? What is he like as an elbow hub? What is he like defensively? You know, we've seen some decent points of of you know, the fact that he can play a small ball five sparingly. Obviously, um, in certain moments, that probably doesn't work as well as Jeff Green at that small ball five or Nicholas Claxton, as you're probably more of, you know, a reliable five force, but. Yeah, in all honesty, this wasn't the, the greatest game from Blake Griffin, but I think the stats don't do him justice either. 
Yeah, I think one thing that'll help him get minutes come postseason time is like he does make those hustle plays. He does provide that toughness and that physicality, and that's just something you need in a playoff series. You know, even if he's playing, you know, eight minutes, he comes in, knocks down a three, draws a charge, you know, gets a couple rebounds. Like that's what you're kind of looking for in this situation. Like you said, Jack, it feels like he has a good understanding of who he is on this team. And that's and and you can't ask for anything more than that. And, and you know, Lamarcus Aldridge has done a good job of that as well. Hopefully, we get him back for the Philadelphia matchup because you know, healthy bodies is just what matters more yeah. than anything in today's NBA, especially with the condensed nature of of what's been going on the regular season. But yeah, overall, just a, a really good dominant sort of performance from the Brooklyn Nets. Get this one in the in the win bank, and hopefully, you know, it gets you close to that goal of the one seed. It doesn't. It might not, obviously, because if the Sixers win, they get, get the, the season matchup uh, in terms of that. But if the Brooklyn Nets continue the way that they've been playing, you know, they've got a, a decent schedule. The, the games are spaced out well enough. Um, and their, their run home, as we sort of alluded to after the All-Star break, is the second easiest behind only the, the Utah Jazz. And obviously that guy, you know, Kevin Durant being back in uniform always kind of helps. You know, it looks like Kyrie should be back. It's just personal reasons. So I expect him to be fully healthy when he's back, maybe get some extra rest. And, you know, later, you know, as soon as it is, you know, James Harden could be back next week. And I think one also, Jack, just to touch on this game on one more point, it's just such a big difference when the Nets shoot well from three. And obviously some of that's the Timberwolves defense being terrible, but they were just knocking down threes tonight. The rhythm was there offensively, shooting 41%. In that Laker game, I think they shot somewhere in the 20s. So it's just like that is such, something, yeah. yeah, that's such a big component for the Nets. And just seeing the offense run and kind of having an idea where guys are supposed to be and what they're doing out there. And at different points this season, you haven't always seen that because guys have been in and out of the lineup. And obviously missing point guards can make that difficult, especially you know when a guy like James Harden is out who's been running the show for the team for the last two months. Yeah, it shows a level of just the IQ and savviness of this yep. team to just be able to adjust to no matter what is out there, we're going to perform. And, you know, there aren't many teams that can miss the two of their three best players some depth pieces as well and still go out and beat, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves who have been feisty of late, who have been in some good form. And obviously they're missing their best player too in Carl Anthony Towns and our thoughts and love go out to him as well on a, a pretty tough time for him. Um, you know, but we, we wish him uh, all the best in our thoughts and, and all the love in the world go to Carl Anthony Towns uh, and his family. And, and again, just to finish off, I guess, as well, Nick, to a, Maybe not something that the fans want us to speak about, but TLC tonight, it was TLC sort of things. 4 of 11 from the field, 9 points, 1 of 5 from 3. Did have 6 boards, did have a dime as well, but you know he just doesn't have a level of confidence in his game. And you know Steve Nash had a really good quote the other day in terms of just supporting him psychologically and supporting him in that sort of manner. And, and I think ultimately he doesn't necessarily have that confidence right now. And you know I, I think that sometimes you just need one game to turn it all around. Um, it was a shame that it wasn't today where he could sort of turn around that form. Yeah, I, the three-point shot, it feels like he's in his head. You know, the release is starting to look different at different points, some of them just being so, so far off. But hopefully, like you said, he can find that rhythm. Not that he's an important piece for the postseason, but you kind of want all your players playing well because you never know when you're going to have to count on them. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, a, lot, a lot of people probably reveling in the fact that TLC isn't necessarily performing to the level that he is, but... I just want all these guys, and it doesn't matter. I just like it when players play their best, whether it's on my team, whether it's on opposing teams. Basketball's just more fun to watch when you see dudes out there shutting their stuff, whether that's a TLC, whether that's a Kevin Durant.
Yeah, 100%. And teams do play well when they pass the ball. Nets 31 assists tonight, Jack, or today, whatever you want to call it. Uh, ben Simmons, just, Nick, there's only one ball. There's only one ball, Nick. What are we talking about? Yeah, I guess he doesn't. He hasn't watched much tape on the Brooklyn Nets. You know, he's still kind of buying into some of those narratives. Is it it's all about being the best defender in the NBA, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> he's a 12-year-old on Twitter, Nick. It seems like the, the Phil- <laughs> The Philadelphia 76ers give the media sort of give him like a, a really big gas up. It's just like, where do you rank? It's like, what is it? Every second game, they probably ask me about where he ranks himself as a defender. It's just like, my dude, basketball is about making shots as well, not about just getting steals and clamping up dudes. You know, Tony yeah. Allen is one of, one of the 10, 15 best players ever. Jordan Bede's your best player. And without him, you guys freaking suck because you can't make a goddamn shot. Um, one of the few Australians who I will besmirch on, on any public platform is Ben Simmons, Nick. And, you know, sometimes I, I question whether he really is Australian. I don't want to see. Love you, <laughs> Ben Simmons. Like the banter, like the banter. But my dude, uh, make a jump up before you start talking trash about one of the best offensive teams in the history of this sport. Yeah, I think post All Star break he's been shooting really bad too. So it's like you know you pick your pick the time to shoot your shots. Yeah, and or not shoot your shots if you're yeah. you're Ben Simmons. But I want to continue talking about some more just general Brooklyn Nets stuff, Nick, because we, uh, we it's, it feels like it's been ages since we've actually podcasted, and a lot of news has built up. And Kyrie Irving's out for personal reasons. I was listening to Locked On NBA yesterday, and Anthony Irwin of uh, Lakers, the Locked On Lakers, was just losing his goddamn mind. Why is he taking off so many games for personal reasons? Why is he allowed to do this? Why can't I do this? It's just like. My dude, I'm going to like lick up your tears like Cartman did with the, the dude's mum that he killed from Chile because it's just like, are you just so dissatisfied? Like, how does this affect you? And like, how is, is this affecting the team in any sort of way? Like, I remember talking about, again, I hark back to, to preseason sort of stuff and like questions we had about this team, questions we had about the chemistry, questions we had about the locker room. None of those questions are still there. Kyrie Irving taking his time off for whatever reasons that we don't necessarily need to know. And he's criticizing the Nets media at the same time as well, which I think is just a, a, a really, really um, narrow-minded thing to do. In all honesty, Kyrie Irving can do what he wants. If it affects the team, that's when we start to really ask the questions about his absences. But his absences aren't affecting the team. And ultimately, we've talked about at the start of this podcast that there are things bigger than basketball. There are things bigger than basketball. This is a goddamn game. It's a sport. Who gives a shit? If he needs to take time to spend with his family, if it's for whatever other reasons that I'm sure other people have said that I'm not necessarily going to say on the podcast... Who cares? The team is going fine. You have don't have any sort of right to know what those personal reasons are. Plenty of other players have taken off reasons uh, against off of personal reasons, and just because he happens to be Kyrie Andrew Irving and a, a, a lightning rod for hate and criticism, uh, it just seems to me that he's just an easy target, Nick. And while this isn't affecting the Brooklyn Nets overall, it seems to be affecting a lot of other people that it shouldn't be affecting. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are upset about it, and I really just can't understand why. I mean, if you were a Nets fan and you're complaining that you want to watch Kyrie Irving play more games, I can listen to what you're saying. Like, yeah, you want to see him on the court. Like, that's part of the game, and I get it. It can be maybe frustrating, but at the end of the day, like you said, Jack, there's things bigger than basketball. And, like, if the team is okay with it, if the players are okay, then who really cares? If we were getting leaks and it's like, 
uh, Nets don't know if they can trust Kyrie Irving during the postseason or team upset with Kyrie missing so much time or all of these different types of leaks, then sure, I think there'd be a little bit more alarm. But given it really hasn't been that big of a deal. Like he had that little, you know, major break in the beginning of the season where he took off, you know, what was it, two weeks of time. Like that I can understand people maybe being upset about. And we don't really know what happened in that situation. But these last few, it's been like one day, two day. One was for the birth of his child and this one possibly being for a religious holiday. Like, why are you upset? Like, mind your business. Like, I saw somebody tweet, and I thought this was actually made a lot of sense. Like, Carl Anthony Towns, they tweeted out why he was out today and why he missed the last two games where he was going to. And that's like, that's what you need for it to be accepted you need to have the reason no if Carl Anthony Towns just said he was out for personal reasons because he's upset about his the passing of his mother on the one-year anniversary that's fine he doesn't have to tell anybody that you know what I mean like you're allowed to be a human that's part of part of who you are yeah I don't really care if anyone takes games off for personal reasons at all I just think there's a level of, of, of I don't know if it's jealousy where it's just like they can't take off time from their own jobs and it's just like who cares like you're almost arguing yeah, it's almost like you're almost arguing for the same rights and the same privileges that these players have. Well, it's just like, that's not their problem. That's your problem. And I, 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 I just don't get it. I, I don't understand it, Nick. It seems to be that Kyrie Irving's a, a very easy target and he can take off all the time that he wants. So again, it's not affecting this team on the court. They're, they're continuing to play really well. You can. The only argument that I can see being made is the fact that we want there to be a, a level of on-court chemistry. You want to see yeah. more reps out there with KD and Kyrie and the rest of the rotation. I get that. That's the only, only argument. And even then, we're winning games. And, you know, I think that the level of experience and uh, and, and IQ and, and talent that these guys have, I think the acclimation isn't really going to take long. And I don't even know if they really do need it because there's just a level of understanding uh, in terms of their on-court and off-court personalities that I think that they're going to gel pretty goddamn seamlessly as they did in those 176 minutes that we were lucky enough to see them. And hopefully we do get to see some more time. Hopefully Kyrie Irving is back soon. Hopefully those personal reasons are all um, solved and, and, and accounted for. I don't really care what they are. doesn't matter what they are as long as you know he's happy, healthy, mentally, physically, uh, and the rest of it, uh, and the team is happy um, with it as well, then you know, all power to him. And I think also, like, if it was for a illegitimate reason, like, people would be upset, and the Nets would be upset, and maybe they'd find him. Because I even remember towards the end of his, you know, hiatus early in the year, you saw maybe a little frustration between Steve yep. Nash and Sean Marks and stuff like that, where you're not getting that vibe at all. Like, it's a completely different situation. So like you said, Jack, just kind of mind your business. <laughs> Yeah, it's why does this affect you? Like, ultimately, like, just throw the energy elsewhere. Like, and like, uh, also, I just think it's funny is because like players miss time for injuries, Jack. And like, who's to know if like he's taking extra time off? Like, LeBron's out for his ankle. Like, maybe LeBron's taking an extra week off because he wants to rest before the postseason. <laughs> Nick's going some, no, some I'm just up. saying, I'm not saying like that's the truth, but like at the end of the day, you would never know that. But like, no one's criticizing him for being out too long and the Lakers falling in the standings. I just think it's really funny coming from a Laker fan and like, worry about your own problem you do think that you can talk because you you beat the nets wow yeah i mean and, and funny enough lebron james and his miami heater and the cleveland era has taken time off quite consistently just to Certainly. sort of reacclimate to get get a little bit of rest here and there and i don't care either whether it's a, a guy on my own team or a guy on an opposing team i, I just think that it, it's a weird fascination to have about especially Kyrie irving because it, it seems to me that there's a, a different set of rules for him than there is any other player and um, it's it, like it, also people were trying to like make him such a bad person for getting ejected. 
Yeah, and, and and sort of like you know, look, it's not a discussion for us to sort of have, and I'm glad kind of the the, the heat has died down on that a little bit because I don't necessarily feel like discussing the reasons behind it and and everything that was sort of going on with that. But ultimately, like, let's just chill, man. It, it's Kyrie Irving. He's he's an easy target, but at the same time, he's also had one of the best seasons of his goddamn career. So maybe it kind of works. I don't know. Maybe talk about that a little too. <laughs> yeah, maybe the, the the energy is never the same positively as it is negatively, Nick. It, it it never is, and I think that you know I've been probably guilty of that in terms of other players and whatever. But I think this season and this year and the past eighteen twenty four months has sort of taught me to keep that positive vibes going, and we're lucky to to be pretty positive because the Nets continue to win games. Kyrie Irving's playing incredible basketball, and Kim and Durant is absolutely sunning fools on Twitter, be it Shannon Sharp or whoever the hell else you are. That was. God's and glorious. Yeah, like I said before, he's dropping people on Twitter, dropping people on the court. But I, I think also today was like one of the rare days where you saw like almost the entire like Twitterverse like, oh yeah, this is a dub for KD. Because like what Shannon Sharp's argument was just kind of ridiculous. And the, the the sense he used a fake quote, quote, didn't take accountability for it, and then told KD we can talk about it not in the public eye, but I'm going to talk shit about you in the public eye first. And he blocked him, Nick. He yeah. blocked him. And someone added him on Twitter and said, why are you block Katie? That's not gangster. And Shannon Sharp responded with, I'm not gangster, but I'm not going back and forth with Katie and lose my job either. I've had disagreement with other athletes, people before. We handled like adults and moved on like adults. Okay. The uh, the adult thing to be here, Shannon, would be to take, we've, we spoke about accountability in a much more important fashion at the start of this podcast, but take accountability and say, I was wrong. Yeah. I effed up. I took the quote out of context. I was wrong. Katie, I'm sorry. Let's move on. Let's let's get the energy elsewhere. But this is good for the Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharps of the world. This Twitter traction, this social media traction, this Michael Rappaport crying about walking his dog and going to coffee shops or whatever, it's great for them. They salivate over this. I can't even figure out if that is real or not. Like, I still yeah, can't. He's a goddamn clown. I'm not going to say his name ever again. It's going to be like <laughs> mispronouncing Tillman Frittata. I'm going to keep mispronouncing Michael Rappaport, port, 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 port. Um, but <laughs> Shannon, Shannon Sharp, the sharp man, um, he wasn't too sharp today, Katie. He was certainly very sharp uh, and, and on his Twitter and on, on the court. But it ultimately, Nick, it's, a, it's an easy solution. Shannon Sharp, say you were wrong. Take accountability for you know, misconstruing something that was a fake quote from a goddamn, like, dumb Twitter 12-year-old account, like something that Ben Simmons takes out of context. Because <laughs> they're like stupidity can be solved from accountability sometimes, Nick. And I think that it's better for his brand and the, the general brand on whatever network he's on. I, I've, I haven't, I've deliberately haven't interacted with them on Twitter because it's exactly what they want and need, but I'll talk about it because it's a fun sort of talking point on a podcast. So it's just a, one. Is it that easy to say you're wrong, Nick? You know, look, I've been how many how many things have I yeah, been you wrong? You don't have to say you're wrong. You could just say that somebody gave you the wrong quote and that it's false information. Like it doesn't even have to take full accountability. You could just be like, oh yeah, somebody on my team gave that to me. My bad, KD. I thought it was real. Like, I, I don't, I don't get it, Nick. I don't get it. Shannon Sharp is uh, maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's got um, a lot of LeBron in his mouth, so it's just you know, it's, it's easy. It's just easy for like the the brand. Maybe some. I don't. I've never sort of said that I want Skip Bayless to put um, someone in their place, but maybe he he can do that. But ultimately, the, the, the 
Kevin Durant continuing to be an absolute flamethrower. You know, it's not his best moment on Twitter this season. We all know that his best moment on Twitter came when, you know, he was shut down and Adam Silver locked him out. And, you know, I told you that we would save him as Nets fans. That will still remain his best Twitter moment in the history uh, of Kevin Durant's Twitter pages and, and, and burners and Instagrams or whatever. But, yeah, Shannon Sharp, man. Come on, man. Like, it's a pretty easy solution. Just Especially a former athlete. Yeah, and he's acting like he's completely just changing his tackle on the way and changing the narrative to sort of fit, fit his own sort of biases as as a lot of us can do, tend to do, but sometimes objectivity um, isn't a bad thing either. Especially on those shows, but you don't find much of that. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on the Nets front before we get out of here? Look, it's uh, it's going to all turn around in 24 hours, Nick. I think it's, we'll probably have new talking points to talk about on and off the court. Will Kyrie Irving play of the bubble nets or whatever? So make sure you listen to this one subscribing because there's, there's episodes dropping on a game-by-game basis on the Brooklyn Buzz. Jack, initial reaction, does Ke- Kevin Durant play tomorrow? No. You? No. <laughs> Sadly, I really wanted to say yes to make people happy. I wouldn't be shocked, but I'd give it something under 25%. Do you agree with the decision by Steve Nash to play him? Like, everyone's just like, they're up by 30. Why are you still playing him? But then we heard in the game beforehand, it was just like, we need to get Kevin Durant these minutes so he can get his conditioning back. What What are your thoughts? Would you have rather him play like 20 minutes? The Nets were up by like 40 or whatever at one point. And then we do get some semblance or some slim chance of an opportunity. Or do you agree with this plan in terms of, you know, getting Kevin Durant back to full health? I think it's like, honestly, apples and oranges. Like, Playing a minute amount in a game and then playing in a game the next day is not the same thing. You know what I mean? If I'm playing 40 minutes of basketball and I'm playing one in one game and I'm playing 20 minutes today and 20 minutes tomorrow, my body's going to react in a completely different way. So I feel like today was more about the ramp up and getting up to that 30 minute mark or close to it and getting him ready. If, he, if they're going to play in the back to back, I don't think it necessarily mattered. If KD came out and played like 47 minutes today, then you'd lock no back to back for sure. But I think like they already had an idea in their head and what they wanted to do it's a it's the big picture at the end of the day yep. Nick. you know and, and despite the fact that we might not get the one seed and, and this match at uh, this game against the, the Sixers does matter maybe more than than any other and again it would have been fun if we had have had you know all the guys fully healthy and uh, because a, a lot of the sort of marquee matchups we've been sort of robbed of you know against the Jazz against the Lakers all, all these sort of teams you know uh, and, and other teams as well have have lacked uh, the availability of their superstars so it does it does excuse me it does suck so you know, we'll wait and see. I think it's probably even lower than twenty five percent chance. I'll probably give it like a fifteen percent chance. You know, you have no, you have no doubt that Kevin Durant will want to play, but the bigger picture is what matters. And you know, we need him playing back to back games, forty five minutes plus, forty minutes plus, and in the postseason. And if that means we rest him this random game in the regular season, I think all is going to be forgotten after that. But yeah, it's ultimately the bigger picture is what matters, Nick, and and that's all I really care about. Exactly. And you don't necessarily want him to overexert himself if Kyrie Irving's not playing too, like trying to get this win against a, a very good Philadelphia uh, 76ers team. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks everybody for listening and check the buzz on all stream platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.